Cross Church has been greatly blessed and helped by God because of our commitment to proclaiming the gospel and to helping the widows, the orphans, and the poor who belong to God. King Solomon reminds us that if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. And he says, whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. And here is another proverb. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. We want the people of Cross Church to know God's richest provision, so we teach our people to be generous to those who are most in need. There is such a thing as harmful charity. Giving should always point people to Christ. Otherwise, our giving can easily enable people to stay in their poverty. And so we must be wise with our giving. Jesus tells us our first priority is our brothers and sisters in need. Whatever you have done for the least of these, my brothers, you have done unto me. Wow. This comes as a shock for many of us because we always thought that giving to the needy, any needy person, was a fulfillment of Jesus' expectations of charity and kindness from us. No, our priority is always believers, people who belong to Jesus and the orphans who have no family and no one to teach them the way to Christ. At the final judgment, God will consider how we cared for believers in need as proof of our love for Christ. Well, good morning, everybody. And uh, today we have, uh, well, we begin, as I said, eight days of, of intensive concentration on the work that God has called us to do. He's called us to reach this community. He's called us to reach uh, this province. We want to do work in the north. In fact, uh, you're going to hear a bit about that in the, at the missions banquet that's coming up this coming weekend. We want to do work in Burundi, and there's other places. Again, you're going to hear about it at our missions banquet. But for these, uh, for these eight days, we are focusing in on Jesus' command to us. And here's what he says. This is at the very end of Jesus' ministry. He's completed his earthly work. He has died on the cross He's been resurrected from the dead, and he's about to ascend to the Father. And these are the last words, the last instructions that Jesus gives his disciples. By the way, who are Jesus' disciples? Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, Pastor. Well, I'm glad you came to church today because you're going to find out. It's anybody who calls himself or herself a Christian. A disciple is a student of Christ. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. 
A disciple is someone who wants to obey Jesus, who understands that following Christ is what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is speaking to, obviously, to the 11 who are with him at the, uh, at the ascension. Remember that one of the disciples, Judas, he killed himself because he, per- he betrayed Christ. So Jesus is telling his disciples, and in telling the 11, he's telling all of us that we must go and make disciples of all the nations. You would be surprised at the number of people who still will argue with me and debate me on this. You would be surprised at the number of people who say, why are we spent sending money overseas when we have so much need around us? The answer to that, first of all, is that the need in Canada is nothing compared to the need in Burundi. Burundi, in case you don't know, is the poorest nation on the earth. In fact, there's maybe one or two other nations that are vying for that position, but it is, it is simply one of the poorest countries in the whole world. The need there is intense. But there's a more important reason why we do what God's called us to do, and that's because Jesus has commanded it. Did you get that? Let me ask that again. Did you get that? Amen. Jesus commanded it. Now, for many of us, we understand that we need a savior. We need someone to save us from our sin. We understand that we are sinners. And who's gonna deal with this sin? Who can wash away this sin? Well, here's what we know about Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can take away our sin. He's the only one who can wash our hearts clean. There's no religion on this earth that can do what Jesus does. There's no religion on earth that is even interested in doing what Jesus does. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God. No one can come to the Father except through me. So we recognize that he is our savior. But here's the other thing that we need to understand, and I'm afraid that many in North America, in many parts of the world, but especially here in North America, we believe that Jesus is our savior and that's the end of the discussion. But I gotta tell you, if you are a real follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a real Christian, then you understand that Jesus is not just your savior, he is your Lord. He's your master. He is your king. In fact, the Bible says he is the king of kings. It means, folks, that not only has Jesus saved you from your sin, but now he's your master and you will do whatever he says. I'm glad that two people agree with me. Oh, there's another one. I see that hand. We are people who've been saved because Jesus died on the cross. And if you put your faith in the Jesus who died for your sins, the Bible says your sins are washed away. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. Once your sins are washed away, 
the Bible is clear that we must follow Jesus. We must do what Jesus says. We must do what God says. And so Jesus says that we must go and make disciples of all the nations, not just of the people here in Northwest Winnipeg, but to the people in the North, the people in Canada, the people around the world. Now it just so happens that the assignment that God has given Cross Church is, uh, is Burundi. And that's why we do the work in Burundi that we do. Because we want to be found faithful in obeying our master. How many know today that Alan Duncalf is not the master of Cross Church? You said that a little too quick. <laughs> I'm not the master of this church. Who's the master? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's given us an assignment. And we must obey him. We must do his will. So, in case you haven't yet made up your mind about coming to our banquet this, this weekend, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna preach today one of the most brutal sermons I have ever given. And everybody said? Yes. Oh, you're open for this, are you? Are you sure? You're sure you want this? Because it's gonna be a tough one. I'm gonna push you and press you like I don't know if I've ever pressed or pushed before. And I've got good reason to do it and I'll share with you as I go along. But I'm telling you today that if you have not yet purchased a, do, a, a, a ticket to come to the weekend a banquet on Friday or Saturday, that you need to do that. Because Jesus has called us to go into the, all the nations and make disciples. This is why we're doing this. We didn't sit down as a staff and think, well, what can we do for our people? This is not, this is not, we don't need more activity or more work to do because we are all worked off our feet. Why do we do this? Why do we put on a banquet like this? Why do we ask you to give so that we can make disciples of all the nations? Because Jesus tells us to. I'm doing everything in my power to make it possible for you to fulfill the master's wishes. This is my job as your pastor, is to teach you and to help you obey Jesus. That's what Jesus tells us to do, go into all the world. And so we have this banquet. Now listen, I'm gonna tell you, if you are going for surgery on Friday and Saturday or Saturday and you can't make it for that reason, fine. But I can't think of, of many good reasons why you shouldn't be able to come to an event like this. Pastor Ron, I've never heard you push like this. Oh yeah? You ain't seen nothing yet. You need to be here. I could beg, I could plead, but you shouldn't be coming because I beg. You should be coming because the Lord Jesus Christ commands it. Did Jesus say, command us? Where do you find the Bible where it says, go to the banquet? <laughs> Look, Again, my responsibility is to help you fulfill the Great Commission, which is to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's my job. And so we give you this opportunity once a year. In the course of 365 days, there's two days where we put the emphasis. There's eight days, actually, where we put the emphasis on going into all the world and preaching the gospel. 
So what I want to do today is I want to look at a parable that Jesus gives. And I'm going to show you this. And uh, are, you, are you ready for this? Here it is. I want to tell you, <laughs> I want to tell you the parable of the sheep and the goats. I want to ask you the question this morning, which are you? Are you a sheep or are you a goat? Now, before you answer that, you have to let me preach my sermon. Let me preach my sermon, and then you tell me whether you are a sheep or a goat. Now, I have to put that up just to, just to maybe diffuse the tension here this morning, because I know that what I'm, what I'm saying is pretty intense. But I really want you to think about this. Are you a sheep or are you a goat? For two Sundays now, we are going to focus on Jesus' command to go and preach the gospel to all nations. So let me just quickly tell you about the parable of the sheep and the goats. It is part of what we call the Olivet Discourse. Jesus, in Matthew 24 and 25, gives something like, like, a, like a sermon or sermons. And in these sermons, he's, first of all, answering a question. The disciples had come to Jesus and said, Master, what are the signs of your return? Now, if anybody's on a phone right now, I'm going to ask you to put your phone down, put everything down. I want you to look at me and listen to what I got to say. Very important. Master, what are, the, what are the signs of your return? At the beginning of Matthew 24, Jesus says there's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be famine, there's going to be um, false messiahs, there's going to be an apostasy, people are going to fall away from Christ. Jesus says that uh, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. He says it's going to be like as in the days of Noah. People are not even paying attention to God. They don't care about God. They don't care about, about Christ. They don't care about Christ's commands. They're just carrying on doing business as usual. Boy, does that ever describe North America right now. We as Christians are so, so disconnected from, from doing God's will. We are so caught up in our business, caught up in the things of this world, caught up in making our money and storing up for ourselves treasures here on earth. Jesus says that's exactly what it's gonna be like at the end. It's not gonna be pretty. There's gonna be persecution. But then Jesus tells us in chapter 25, three parables. And in these parables, he's describing to us what we should be doing, how we should be living while we're waiting for his return. Because Jesus says, we'll know the signs of the, the end of the age by all of these signals, the, the wars, the rumors of wars, the persecution, the apostasy, the falling away. He said, That's, it's at that time I'm gonna return. But in the meantime, how should we wait? 
And so chapter 25 begins with the parable of the 10 foolish, or the 10 virgins. Half of them were wise, half of them were foolish. The five wise ones were, were waiting and looking for and expecting the return of Christ. And five of them were foolish. They got tired of waiting. They didn't want to wait anymore. And they, they fell asleep and they let their, 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 uh, uh, their oil burn out. Their, their, their lamps were empty. Jesus said, don't be like that. While you're waiting for me, Make sure that you're waiting and watching. This is your top priority. And then he tells the parable of the three uh, men who were given talents. One was given five, one was given three, one was given one. And Jesus says, uh, I'm, I'm entrusting these talents or this money to you and I expect that you are going to increase my assets. And that's what happens. He returns. The guy that's had five, he increases it to 10. The guy who was given three, increases it to six. The guy who was given one, he decided, you know what, I'm gonna bury my talent. I'm gonna bury my money. And then when the master comes, I'll just give it right back to him. Here's what you need to know while you're waiting for the return of Christ. Jesus expects that you are increasing his assets. That's a nice way or a fancy way of saying that Jesus expects you and me to be advancing his kingdom, making sure that truth goes forward and that souls are saved, that lives are transformed, that churches are planted. Folks, I'm gonna tell you something really exciting. You know that Dennis Weeb was used by God to, to, to initiate and plant the first Village of Hope uh, Center. It takes care of vulnerable children. And then when he came to this church, God showed us that we need to get on board and help. And through Cross Church, we were able to plant another village of hope in a town called Moravia, which is the poorest of the poorest people in the poorest city, in the poorest country in the world. And we have a village planted there now. Delson just told me, Pastor, we're starting a brand new church in Moravia. And he said, Thank you, Cross Church Winnipeg, for helping us plant Cross Church Moravia. This is what we call increasing our master's assets. This is what God expects of us while we wait for Jesus' return. But there's more. There's the third parable, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And we discover there's something very special about the sheep in this parable. These sheep are used by God to care for those in need. But it's not just anybody who's in need. It's those who are called the brothers and sisters of Jesus. And then we get to the end of chapter 25. We discover there's a judgment now, I want to share this with you. The judgment of Jesus Christ. And Jesus will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. 
It's the sheep that will inherit eternal life. It is the sheep who are the blessed of the Father. It is the sheep who will inherit the kingdom prepared. Now I ask you again, are you a sheep or are you a goat? Well, here's what happens to the goats. Jesus says, and the goats will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. As you can see, it really doesn't matter whatever you think of yourself. What matters is what does Jesus think of you? Because a lot of people who think, oh yes, I'm a good sheep. At the end of the day, it's Jesus who determines whether you're a sheep or a goat or not. Let the Spirit of God speak to you because this is very serious stuff. Let's not, let's not use euphemisms. Let's just call it like it is. Jesus is saying the goats are going to hell. Pastor Allen, I don't remember you talking about hell this bluntly. Well, folks, I'm going to tell you something right now. It's not Alan Duncalf who is saying this. It's Jesus. It's not my opinion. Remember, I've said this before. You did not get up in the morning to come to church to hear Alan Duncalf's opinion. You came here this morning to hear the voice of Jesus. And Jesus says the goats will go to hell. Now, I know that many of you this morning are, in fact, sheep. And I think some are still goats. This is a tough message. It's not the thing I enjoy teaching. I'd rather not teach about hell, and yet it's in the scripture. How do you know if you're a sheep? How do you know if you're living the way that Jesus wants you to live? Well, let me read to you from Matthew 25, 34 to 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, <laughs> when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. The sheep are the ones who feed the hungry. Who give water to the thirsty, show hospitality to the stranger, clothe the naked, minister to the sick, and visit those imprisoned. 
Now, some people think, and I've heard this preached, some people think that if you do those things, then you're guaranteed a way into heaven. Because it sure sounds like that. But we know today that nobody goes to heaven because of their good works or because they are charitable. What guarantees that you and I are going to heaven? Well, that we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Nobody goes to heaven unless they put their faith in Jesus Christ. That is, my friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ that has been preached for 2,000 years. Nobody goes to heaven unless they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that you are a sinner in need of God's forgiveness? Do you believe that you need your sins washed away so that you can come to the Father? If you believe that and you believe that Jesus is the one that can wash away your sins, then the Bible says that you are, in fact, converted. In fact, this is what Paul says to the Ephesians in chapter, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It is by faith that you are saved, or that you are saved by his grace. It's not of works, lest anyone should perish. So we know that what Jesus is saying here is that you don't go to heaven just because you are doing acts of charity. You have to be converted. Or, or as Jesus says in John chapter three, you have to be born again. You have to become a brand new creation. This is how you go to heaven. You say, well, what's, what's Jesus saying here about the sheep who feed the hungry and clothe the naked and care for the sick and the, and the strange? What does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. The evidence, the evidence that you are born again is that you care for God's people. Hey, you know what? I've been in the ministry now since 1983. And I have watched pastors who have taught that the way, the way forward is just do lots of charitable acts for anybody and everybody. And that somehow, some way, something good will come of that. In our church, we've had clothing ministries, we've, we've had meals, we've had banquets, we've, we've done all manner of good for our community. And a thing that I've discovered over and over again is that there's very few, if any, that are coming to church because of these charitable acts. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't go away thinking, Pastor Allen doesn't believe in being kind to the poor. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that Jesus gives us a blueprint for the kind of charity that makes a difference. And Jesus says, well, let's read what he says. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. When you're, when you're feeding my brothers, 
and sisters, when you were clothing my brothers and sisters, when you were giving water to my brothers and sisters, when giving food to my, when you were visiting in prison, my brothers and sisters, Jesus says, you were doing it to me. Who are the brothers and sisters of Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. We read in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is preaching day and night and his family's concerned about him. And they finally think, well, you know, we gotta take Jesus home and just, you know, give him a rest. We have to rescue Jesus from himself. And so the Bible says that Jesus' mother and his brothers, they came to where Jesus was teaching and uh, Jesus was surrounded by people. And so Jesus' mother and brothers said to, to one of the attendants there, hey, could you get a message to Jesus? Would you tell Jesus that his mother and his brothers are here? And so that's what the guy does. He, I mean, Jesus is wonderful, and man, this is Jesus' mother and his brothers, so we better, you know, we better just sneak in there and get a message to Jesus. And so that's what they do. And the, the, the messenger taps Jesus on the shoulder and says, um, your mother and your brothers are here. They want to speak to you. And Jesus says, huh, who, are my, who are my mother and my brothers? Now, Jesus knows full well who his mother and his brothers are, but yet he asks the question. It's a rhetorical question. He says, look, these are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. In fact, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Who are our brothers and our sisters and our mother? I'll tell you. It's our needy brothers in the north and our needy sisters in the north. It's the needy brothers and sisters in our community. It's the needy brothers and sisters in Burundi. These are the ones that God has called us to go and minister to. And Jesus says, if you will do that, if you will go and give food and help to my brothers and sisters, then you are in fact sheep. Real Christians take care of the brothers and sisters of Jesus. Because when you take care of the brothers and sisters, you're taking care of Jesus. Did you hear that? When you take care of those in need who are our brothers and sisters, you are taking care of Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, he tells us clearly, make sure that you go and, and that you do good to all people, but especially, he says, to the family of God. We are supposed to be known by our love for each other and for the way that we take care of one another. So that people who don't know Christ, who don't love Jesus, look on and see, wow, look how those Christians take care of each other. I want to be part of that family. I want to be part of that church. I want to be part of this group of people who know how to take care of each other. And why do we take care of each other? Because Jesus tells us to. And this is why we ask you to come to a banquet, to make a $75 donation, to hear about the great things God is doing and wants to do. This is why we invite you to be part of this. 
We are, this is not a make work project for the staff of Cross Church. We believe that we are fulfilling the command of Christ and we invite you to partner with us in fulfilling the command of Christ. So, what does this mean for us? Well, you can't just sit there and do nothing. If you're, if you're a sheep, if you're a goat, I have nothing to say to you. I don't know what to say to you. Except maybe what you need to do is come and surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you are a sheep today, the evidence that you are, in fact, converted, that you are a sheep, is that you are busy caring for Jesus. Did you know that? That you're called to care for Jesus? And how do you care for Jesus? You take care of his brothers and sisters. Now, I know some of you are sitting here, Pastor Alan, this is strong stuff. You, I don't, I've never known you to pressure us like this. If you think I'm pressuring you, I'd invite you to read Paul's letter to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. Because I'm telling you, the Apostle Paul is trying to raise funds for the brothers and sisters who are starving to death in Jerusalem. There is a great famine there without. And the Apostle Paul understands that his job as a Christian, his job as a sheep, is to make sure he's meeting the needs of his brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And I'm telling you, he comes at the Corinthians from every side. If you think I'm pressuring, you gotta read that. Apostle Paul begins by really putting the pressure on. He starts comparing the Corinthian Christians to the Macedonian Christians, saying, well, the Macedonian Christians, you should see what they're doing. What are you doing? The Macedonian churches, when they're begging to give, are you begging to give? Paul says, he says, I'm, I have got to urge you to do this. It's necessary that I urge you. And then he says, show, show these people the proof of your love. And Paul then really, really lets them have it. He says, whoever sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly. How many want to reap generously? Nobody? Let me ask that again. Who wants to reap generously? Let me ask that again. <laughs> Who wants to reap generously? Amen. That's not everybody, well, <laughs> but it's good enough. I can tell you, I want to reap generously. And so Paul says, look at, I'm teaching you, I'm teaching you how to be a sheep. That will be a welcomed into eternal life. Some of us, man, we can buy lottery tickets, no problem. I got, my, I got my money for my lottery ticket. I got no problem to get my, my $25 cup of coffee from Starbucks. Okay, five, whatever. I got, I got to have my Timmy's every day. We got no problem taking care of ourselves. But Jesus says, if you're a sheep, then you're going to take good care of Jesus. Because that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. I was so encouraged this morning. There's a lady that has, has resisted coming to banquets because she says, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, I can't afford it. But this morning, she recognized 
she can't afford not to. Dawson tells us we could be planting churches, building churches on a regular basis. Maybe, maybe five a year, maybe more. The problem is, is they don't have the resources. And I say, when I say they don't have the resources, I'm saying they have nothing. They have no money. This is a country where the average income for the course of a whole year is about 200 US dollars. That's what they live on for a whole year. And I'm going to tell you right now, they are praying for us. They're praying. The pastors are praying. The churches are praying that God will use the, this banquet, that God would use the Canadians to help them advance the kingdom of God. The children in the villages of hope are praying for the Canadians. They're praying and asking God, meet our needs, Lord. And use those Canadians. I'm going to tell you, I, um, I'm, not doing, uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not doing. Gloria and I try to be the, be the best givers in the church so that we can set the course for you. It turns out we're, we don't give the most, but as a percentage, I think that we may be at the top of the list. Am I bragging? Absolutely not. But you need to know that what I'm asking you to do is what I'm doing. And the reason I'm asking you to do it is because this is what Jesus tells us to do. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So here's the thing. Are you going to help Jesus or not? Because that's what it comes down to. It's not, you're not just helping Burundians. You're helping Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. After the people said, Lord, when do, we do, when do we do all these things for you? Jesus will say, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. You think that Jesus doesn't know when you are not giving and when you're not sharing and you're not trying to help those in need? He knows. And he declares that you are a goat. Look, at, I, I do not find this easy to preach this. I don't want to tell anybody that they're a goat, and I don't want to tell any, anybody they're going to hell. But folks, the evidence that you are converted and going to heaven is that you are concerned about the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. There's no way around this. I can't, I, I, there's no way that I can get around this and and make it easier for your ears. Well, I gotta tell you, I'm amazed, in fact, that there are, in fact, goats in the shepherd's herd, but there are. Not everybody who goes to church is a Christian. Not everybody who goes to church is converted. And that's why I'm asking you again, are you a sheep or are you a goat? Are you surrendered to him? and willing to do whatever he says. Pastor Allen, I, I don't know if I can do this, because I can't afford it. See, if you're a sheep, then you have trust in your shepherd. You have trust that your shepherd will take very good care of you. 
that even when you feel like you're given your last dollar, your shepherd is not going to fail you. If you can't believe that, there's nothing I can do to make you believe it because it's a step of faith. And we just learned that from the book of Habakkuk. The righteous will live by faith. The righteous, the sheep, will do whatever God says. The righteous, the sheep, will believe God and do what he says. And Jesus says, take care of my brothers and sisters. So you will believe him and you will do what he says. This is Christianity 101. This is who we are as followers of Christ. Don't get angry at me. I'm just the messenger. I'm telling you what the master, what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying. Our job is to care for Jesus. And we care for Jesus by caring for his brothers and sisters. Jesus told the, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. You may know it if you read the King James, the wheat and the tares. Jesus tells the parable of how somebody in the middle of the night sowed weeds into the good crop. And the servant asked, well, should we go and tear out those weeds? And the master said, no, just leave them. Because in the day of harvest, we're going to pull them out then and we'll bring in the harvest. Are you a weed in the harvest? This is very strong stuff. I want to apologize to you, but I can't because it's the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. I'm calling you this morning to think about whether or not you are, in fact, a follower of Jesus Christ if in fact you are a sheep. This is a warning to you today. Jesus could come back anytime because I'll tell you, read the beginning of Matthew 24, and I'm gonna tell you, it's like reading the newspaper, or listening to, to CNN or any news agency. So here's, here's what I want to close with. And the goats will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Are you a sheep or are you a goat? Would you stop me, please? Father, you have called Cross Church to be a blessing in the north, to be a blessing in northwest Winnipeg, to be a blessing in Burundi, and a blessing in a few other nations, and hopefully more nations. God, we can't do this unless the sheep of Cross Church say, yes, Lord, I will take care of your brothers and sisters. Father, give us the courage to take that step of faith to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what you say. Because on that day, Lord, when you start separating the sheep and the goats, 
We want to be amongst the sheep. We want to go into eternal life. We do not want to go into eternal punishment. Father, give us the grace now, we pray, to obey you, to do your will. And if there are any here today who have not yet purchased a ticket, actually made a donation to help us do the work we have to do, God, may this be the day of obedience to you. May it be a step of faith. May they believe and may they trust that you will meet their every need. And so, God, we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Amen. Hey, tell the person beside you, I want to see you in heaven. <laughs> Mothers and fathers rise to pray. If anybody uh, is able to stay, we want to set up tables for the banquet. It shouldn't take long. So if you can help us, please do. Thank you.